Welcome to Cybersecurity Protect, Detect, and Respond panel discussion sponsored by Microsoft and CSRA. Here's today's moderator, Jason Miller. Welcome to the discussion. My guests today are Susie Adams, the Chief Technology Officer at Microsoft Federal, Marlon Andrews, the Deputy Chief Information Officer at the National Archives and Records Administration, Guy Cavallo, the Deputy CIO for the Small Business Administration, Jay Huey, the Director of the Secure Cloud Portfolio at the Technology Transformation Service in the General Services Administration, and Dr. Matthew McFadden, the Cybersecurity Director for CSRA. Welcome to the program today. Before we get started, let me set some context for our discussion. Cloud computing, mobile devices, the Internet of Things, the increasing digitization of information and processes are pushing agencies toward a hybrid computing environment. Now, this is when agencies have a mix of on-premise and commercial cloud infrastructures. Among the challenges these hybrid environments present are around securing your data. On one hand, experts say moving non-mission critical systems and data to the public cloud offers flexibility and agility with little worry. On the other hand, experts also say keeping mission critical systems on premise or in a, a government-only commercial cloud helps with peace of mind and confidence that your systems are secure. Now, at the same time, running a, a hybrid IT environment could create a line of sight problems between those two environments, on-premise and cloud systems. Cyber professionals can see what's happening on internal systems or they can see what's happening on external systems, but not necessarily on both at the same time, especially when data is being shared among the two environments. The dual environments also create cyber challenges for securing mobile devices. And this is why emerging approaches to cybersecurity, such as automation, machine learning, can give agencies the eyes and the ears that they otherwise wouldn't have in trying to secure these dual environments, especially with the ever-increasing number of endpoints and ever-increasing number of threats. To move to and secure this hybrid environment, agencies have a lot to consider, including workforce training and how best to use data analytics. And this is where our panelists will come in today to help answer those questions. So once again, my guests are Susie Adams, the Chief Technology Officer for Microsoft Federal, Marlon Andrews, the Deputy Chief Information Officer for the National Archives and Records Administration, Guy Cavallo, the Deputy Chief Information Officer for the Small Business Administration, Jay Huey, the Director of the Secure Cloud Portfolio at the Technology Transformation Service in the General Services Administration, and Dr. Matthew McFadden, the Cybersecurity Director for CSRA. So let me turn to uh, Guy to start the, the conversation today. You guys have been doing a ton to move to the cloud. It's, it's uh, probably one of the big success stories we've seen over the last 18 months or so. Uh, talk a little bit about the, the, how you guys are really looking at security, cloud, Give me the overview. Well, sure. Uh, one thing that SBA is doing right now is due to the disasters that we're responding to, we're going to double the agency size in about six weeks. So cybersecurity is something that we can't put on the sideline as we uh, greatly expand our, our, our uh, infrastructure and endpoints. So what we've done, uh, the efforts that we've done so far this year to move to the cloud are actually playing right into this. Instead of buying thousands of more laptops for these spun up employees. We're looking at using virtual desktops in the cloud, which if we hadn't gotten to the point where we are, would not have been an option. Uh, a cost difference of let's say $2,000 to about $40 per device. Uh, but with that, the cybersecurity implementation that we put in place has been a big help. Something that we're doing a little bit different than I've seen other agencies do is as you're in that hybrid model, I see a lot of people spending time and effort trying to make their on-premise tools measure and monitor the cloud. We flip that. We're using the cloud tools and we're using them to measure and monitor our on-premise environment. Uh, it's led to some interesting findings within uh, five minutes of when we pointed the cloud security tools at our infrastructure and I had the dashboard on my computer. I saw a lot of red lights going off, <laughs> so I clicked on them. And Wait, are you uh, supposed to click on red lights? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lights, lights, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and um, it pointed out some things that I then called my security operations center and said, are you guys looking at this? And they said, looking at what? Um, and so the on-premise tools weren't catching the same thing. So we're very committed to using the cloud tools to help us implement cybersecurity instead of trying to replicate everything on-premise into the cloud. So I think the, the cloud cyber you're talking about, in some cases, is CDM, continuous diagnostics and mitigation. I think SBA was the first agency to do CDM in the cloud, yes. but I imagine there's other tools as well that you're looking at. Is this both securing your on-premise and securing your cloud instantiations? Yes, and uh, some of our team wanted to do, we'll treat on-premise security one way and we'll split the hybrid into two camps and we'll use the cloud security tools to just measure what's in the cloud. Uh, even though we put CDM in the cloud, I'm talking about specifically the cloud security tools that are built in to the major providers and just using them to uh, analyze our on-premise equipment. So mm -hmm. we do have CDM in the cloud and we're using that, but it's the traditional on-premise version 
just to implement it in infrastructure as a service in the cloud. Right. Fascinating. Uh, let's move over to Jay. Jay, you don't necessarily get to implement cloud security. <laughs> right. You just help other agencies do it. Talk a little bit about what you're seeing within the uh, federal environment. Yeah, I have a great job. Thanks, Jason. I mean, I, I see us in GSA as serving as kind of a center of excellence, you know, best of uh, real estate, best of acquisition, and best of technology, if you will. And what I've seen is the hybrid cloud you mentioned, I consider it horizontally, like when you're connecting on-prem and in the cloud, but there's also kind of a, a vertical scale that we see around hybrid, which is the integration of applications or multiple cloud services, right? You might have infrastructure running an infrastructure as a service environment, but your ticketing system for help desk is another cloud provider. And to see that connection in that vertical scale where you know, information is shared, and the, the change we've seen, I think, over the few years from vendors around software as a service applications, really connecting, exporting, importing data, that's been a big shift around agencies' cloud migration activities. So it's an interesting, you talk about the vertical scale, right? If you have multiple cloud providers, and each has a security piece, uh, like I did, how do you have that dashboard? Is that, is, I know, we, again, we can talk CDM all day, but is that the dashboard, is that, is that where that's end, that data is ending up a lot of times? Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, the traditional model is I've got a bunch of stuff on-prem, and I'm going to lift it off-prem, and you know, we're used to kind of large-scale acquisitions that CIO shops do to do that. I think the model is really shifting around applications, and the dashboard is really maybe per application because what seems you know fine for one application might not be for another one from that dashboard perspective. And I think we've started to see from the Agile DevOps perspective just the, the value of decentralizing those metrics to the degree possible with the team, still servicing the red lights, the blinky indicators, right? But making that very specific to the application workload so that the insights can be there and you're not kind of standardizing on the least common denominator, right? Interesting. Uh, Susie Adams from Microsoft, talk a little bit about what you're seeing for with clients that you guys work with. Um, sure. So, I, you know, I think what's, uh, in listening to uh, uh, everybody talk here just this, just in the short time we've had, the biggest challenge I think for agencies is that as they move to the cloud, uh, the dynamics of what they're managing changes. And if you look at this uh, from a variety of different perspectives, what we're really seeing is the perimeter is extending beyond the traditional guards and gates and guns and firewalls that we're used to. You know, an old way to react to a security breach was to basically just disconnect from the network, mm -hmm. right? I'm going to disconnect from the internet and I'm going to be safe and everything's going to be on-prem, right? What's really happened now is we're really moving to uh, a world where it's really perim perimeterless where identity really needs to become the new firewall and the, the devices where the data lives is the new perimeter, right? And if we start to extend that to this hybrid world where workloads are living on-premise and in the cloud, right, it's a very different challenge than what agencies in, in uh, commercial industry is used to protecting, right? No longer can you just look at NetFlow data, you really need to be able to look at signal that's coming from applications. And when we start to look at signal, for example, can you determine if somebody has logged on with valid credentials from two different locations, um, in two different parts of the world within 30 minutes of each other. Now that could be physically impossible. And the old school way of looking at things, you would have never caught that anomaly. Right? So really what we're seeing and what we're trying to do uh, as a company is to invest in technology that helps you look at all that signal right, as a big data analytics problem. Mm -hmm. right? So we have something called the intelligent security graph that we now extend that signal to our cloud-based tools to help you monitor both on-premise and in the cloud and see those anomalies that you could never see as a human just simply running a report. And so I think you know, it's really a mind shift. Right? People have to think about this differently. They have to assume breach, for example. Mm -hmm. right? And as long as you can start to wrap your head around, hey, my perimeter is no longer just at my network boundary or at the walls of my data center, and that is going to be the norm moving forward, then you'll start to be able to take advantage of some of the newer technology that's out there to help you manage and see those, those uh, anomalies. Jay, jump in real quick. I'd just like to build on that, because I think Susie's point around identity is key. Um, we looked at the cloud service providers that are in the Federal portfolio, which I'm responsible for, and everyone likes to sort of talk about the, you know, the allocation of controls, oh, you got to do a lot for infrastructure as a service and a lot less for software. But when we looked at all the data, it's really basically 20%. You have to, as an agency, understand who your users are and what permissions they should have, right? Identity, credential, and access management. So back to Susie's point, right? The old model would be, I'm going to take this off the network. The new model is, I'm only going to give the trusted administrator a chance to log in to sort of fix or, or de you know, f solve the breach, right? To figure out if we even had something. And th that's the shift. And I think that you know, the, when we think about managing data on devices, we still think about it in terms of traditional device management software, right? If there's if somebody loses their cell phone, I want to be able to wipe the device. We actually need to take that, right, uh, and and add a bunch more capabilities to the products or to the services that are actually managing your devices, so that if you can lock down data on a device by an identity. Mm -hmm. 
right? And consider that, you know, if they have a valid identity, then they get to access this data. And if they don't, record that and actually have a record of that, as opposed to just wiping the device, right? Then you can have control over where your data lives, right? So it's a much more granular approach to protecting probably the most valuable asset we have, which is the data. Let me uh, turn to Marlon from uh, NARA. Talk a little bit about NARA's look uh, in terms of the hybrid environment and security and how those two are coming together. So I think the one thing that you'll see is that nobody has a singular correct approach. Everybody has to do what's best for themselves. And NARA is in a unique position, whereas we're not trying to so much protect as in make a, our data available. So we're using the cloud to expand our offerings and make access happens, which is one of our core goals. So in our security blanket is like, how do you maintain availability and integrity more so than the confidentiality part of the security triad? So we have unique challenges in that we have to make things available, we have to make them easily available so that we can make them available to the public because that's our role. And, and I think that's a great point because one of the things we focus on security so much of how do you how do you hold on to your data, right? A protector, make sure that the only right people have it. But for NARA, you want everyone to see it, but you want that data to stay this, to, to be the same. You don't want someone to come in and change the data. And even if it's something as silly as it'll change the Declaration of Independence, you know, something like that could could be not necessarily harmful, but could look bad. Uh, and that's absolutely correct. And but we do also have the other part with the military records, where we have to keep that secret. So we have to be very agile in how we distribute cloud and our security, because we have different models for depending on what type of data we're talking about and what our, our holdings. As you guys, are you guys in that hybrid environment yet, or are you still leaning yes, towards the on-prem cloud or the? No, no, no. We're in the hybrid environment, and we're bringing on and looking at more cloud providers to make sure we stay heterogeneous and we're not relying too much on one technology. So it's all about that balance. Act. All right. So, uh, uh, Matthew from CSRA, you are our cyber expert, so to speak. You've been nodding your head as you heard everyone talk. Give me some reaction to what you're hearing to the yeah, panel. I, I agree with everyone across the board. Um, Yay! <laughs> <laughs> you know, as uh, you know, we move into the cloud, the, the threat landscape completely changes. So, the, you know, as you know, Guy mentioned, the, the on-premise environment and the tools and processes that you're using, you know, may not totally translate, you know, into the cloud. And uh, remember, you know, whether you're doing infrastructure as a service, platform as a service, software as a service, uh, each application and environment is different. Along with, you know, each of the ways that the different cloud providers, uh, you know, implement their technology. So, you know, as that threat landscape changes, we, we have to really define our tools, our processes, um, and kind of rethink the way that, you know, we, we usually have, have done business. So, you know, from CSRA's perspective, you know, we spend a lot of time, you know, kind of educating our customers on, hey, this is what FedRAMP is. Uh, this is how you get an ATO. Uh, these are some of the you know security controls that you need to you know change to kind of meet you know the criteria uh, to you know move you into a more secure environment. Uh, so yeah, and a lot you know echoing kind of Susie, you know a lot of the the tools change. You know you, we see a lot more emphasis on uh, data loss prevention, uh, insider threat. Uh, identity is huge. Uh, identity not only within the infrastructure, but how do you access the cloud environments? So how do, you know how do I set up a PIV card? or a CAC car to access the environment. Um, a lot of things to, to consider, and I, I would say it's it's not always a lift and shift. You know, we you, you definitely need to take the time to begin to understand. You know, what is the environment? What is the data that you're trying to protect, and how can you securely uh, migrate that into the new environment? Uh, let me play off something that Marlon said too, uh, uh, Matthew, because one of the things is you have multi. You have this. We're talking about this hybrid environment. So on some environments, the the PIV or the CAC works easy. If you have an on-premise, if if guy has an on-premise solution, but if guy puts a solution in the cloud that use of PIV or CAC may not be as easy, or, or maybe I'm wrong, maybe it is just easy, or easier. Oh yes, it, it's it's more difficult because you know you don't have the the same connections you know as you did on the on-premise environment. Uh, so you know as uh, a lot of the you know the the different technologies out there, I mean, are, are completely different than the cloud, and a lot of the cloud providers actually provide you know easy ways to actually implement that, which may be different than what you're currently using in your your agency or environment. So guys, since I picked on you with the, with, the, uh, with my example to Matthew, are you guys, how are you guys dealing with that doubling of the workforce and ensuring that the identities match, right? Because you're going to have some temporary workers or some, some people on detail or, or, or surge to help with the, the rebuilding in, in Texas and in Florida. How do you deal with that identity piece? Uh, that, that's been an interesting discussion at our senior leadership level, um, knowing 
there's a certain number of applications that can be processed by a person a day. They have all the data from Katrina where we found fell months behind on being able to help uh, respond. So they take those formulas and see that, okay, we need, uh, SBA has 2,000 employees, we need 6,000 to do this, and we need them within a month. Um, and the, the question came up with, uh, for us is, okay, how do we do that securely? Do we only use government furnished equipment? Do we bring people on as government employees and give them PIV cards? Do we let remote users perhaps not use a PIV card but do other type of identity? Uh, we're working through that process now, and, and uh, what I like what our senior leadership did is that they listen to us lay out the security risks of each level. That uh, the easiest one for us to do was government furnished equipment with a government PIV card for a government cleared employee. Uh, then the next level we start working it back to government equipment with a PIV card but maybe not a full clearance. All the way back to it's a volunteer from a law firm who wants to work for a day for us who's wants to use their own equipment in their own law office and connect to us. Um, we've walked through the easy part to the very hard part uh, and what we're doing as an organization is we're taking that in stages and as the uh, applications come in from Harvey and Irma and, and Maria um, we're still at the level where it's going to be government only but so we haven't made that executive decision of are we going to let a non-government employee on their own equipment come in and access our systems that disperse hundreds of millions of dollars of grants. Uh, right. But it, uh, right now we just converted our large conference center to a 140 user uh, uh, work area so that we could bring people in with our own government equipment and, and PIV cards. So we're ramping up in different ways like that. But uh, you'll have to check with me later to see, if, to see how far down the list we go. All right. Well, let's take a quick break and we can come back and, and, and talk more about the challenges of the hybrid environment. You're listening to the discussion, Cybersecurity, Protect, Detect, and Respond, sponsored by Microsoft and CSRA on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Empowering Agency Digital Transformation by Microsoft. Security and compliance are top of mind and non-negotiables for federal agencies. At Microsoft, we build security into our products and services from the ground up. That's how we deliver a comprehensive, agile platform that can help protect endpoints, move fast to detect threats, and respond to security breaches across the largest and most security-conscious organizations. With extensive experience providing cloud services to government agencies, Microsoft is committed to providing the most complete, trusted, and secure cloud services and offers cloud services that are DoD L4 and L5 approved, aligned with the NIST cybersecurity framework, and compliant with FedRAMP, ITAR, and IRS 1075. Microsoft provides trusted government solutions, and Microsoft and its partners are committed to empowering all government agencies to achieve their mission. Lead your agency's digital transformation with Microsoft. To find out more, go to Microsoft.com federal. Welcome back to the discussion, Cybersecurity, Protect, Detect, and Respond, sponsored by Microsoft and CSRA on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are Susie Adams, the Chief Technology Officer for Microsoft Federal, Marlon Andrews, the Deputy Chief Information Officer for the National Archives and Records Administration, Guy Cavallo, the Deputy Chief Information Officer for the Small Business Administration, Jay Huey, the Director of the Secure Cloud Portfolio at the Technology Transformation Service at the General Services Administration, and Dr. Matthew McFadden, the Cybersecurity Director for CSRA. As we talked, went through that first segment, we talked a lot about this hybrid environment. And I'm going to start with Susie and just do two things. Let's make sure we know the definition of hybrid environment so we don't confuse our listeners and, and, and viewers. And second, what's the difference when you secure one over the other? I mean, we all think of on-premise. We all think of you just lock the door of the data center, put up a big fence, and then you know, make sure no one taps into your pipe. But let, walk us through a little bit of the basics, I guess. Sure. So, you know, I think from a hybrid perspective, I think, um, you know, to me, in, in the way that I define hybrid is that we have, you're going to have assets that live inside your data center. Uh, and I think the federal government's a little different than maybe some of our commercial counterparts. Uh, you might have some that are in a contractor's data, data that's in a contractor's data center, and you're going to have data that might live in multiple cloud providers. Mm -hmm. All right. So hybrid now could extend to five or six different locations easily, uh, not to mention where you're backing up your data uh, and providing uh, redundancy, right, across your portfolio. 
portfolio. And so that is a complicated world to manage from a network perspective. You might have, uh, you, you have uh, applications that are running on bare metal, you have virtualized applications, probably in one or two virtualiza virtualization technologies, and then you're gonna have IaaS, SaaS, and PaaS apps, right, living in commercial clouds. And so how do you manage that hybrid world? Where does the handshake happen between your, your IT department, right, and your CISO, and what you're responsible for managing, and what the other pieces of your network or your data center that are now virtually extended to the cloud are managing. And so what we find is that's the biggest challenge, right, is, is how, do you, how do you marry that and what's that handshake look like? And I think, you know, one of the bigger, you know, when we talk about you really need to look at identity or you really need to look at security differently, um, it doesn't mean that you forget everything you've done before. You still have to do all that. You still have to manage things from a, de a defense and depth perspective. You still need to do best practices for locking down your data center. Now you need to actually add another layer of protection on top of that. Right? And that's really at the application layer and looking at signal from all these places. Not just NetFlow data anymore, not just the network. Right? You need to look at all of these, all the signal that's coming in right? and see the anomalies uh, that you can gain from that. Because you know, today, I mean, phishing attacks are, are the norm. Right? You, there's now, you, know, you need to apply technology, new technology that's out there today on top of your additional security stack to help you find that anomaly. Right? So for example, in Office 365, just out of the box in the service, and, and we're not the only cloud vendor doing this today, we're extending capabilities to help you basically block phishing attacks. So if I receive an email in my inbox and it has a link on it, even if the link looks valid, even if the email looks valid, if I click on that link, it goes to a detonation chamber and gets blown up, right, before I can go anywhere with it, right? That's just, so now we take the human you know, component out of that, right, and just get rid of that, that uh, particular attack vector altogether, right? And those are the types of investments that you're seeing all the major cloud vendors uh, really embrace. Um, we've spent about $10 billion adding new capabilities right, into our cloud services so we can help you manage that hybrid environment. Again, not not saying that you should only use cloud tools. It's another layer of protection on top of the, the tools and the portfolio, the, the security portfolio you already have in place. Right? And so people can't, you know, they can't think about things as they used to from a traditional IT perspective where, um, where uh, you know, you have a single point solution right, that's going to do everything for you. Um, or that a particular uh, security vector needs to, or security risk needs to have be, uh, the technology needs to be implicated in a certain way to mitigate it. The bad guys are looking for new ways to infiltrate and they find them, right? You need to be as innovative in your, uh, your application portfolio for security as you are being in your technology that you're buying in the cloud. So please tell me your marketing folks have some kind of cartoon of an email going into a detonation chamber and blowing up. I mean, I've got to see that if you have it. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it, okay. but I'm sure one does exist. <laughs> it just never went public. Well, let, let me turn to M Matthew real quick. Uh, react a little bit more to what Susie was saying as we're talking about the, the extending the, the, the security piece. I've heard many times that the defense in depth is dead, and we should give up on defense in depth, and we should. It's really going to happen at the data layer, the application layer. Uh, but how do we strive to get those both balances? Because as, as someone said earlier, just assume breach. Yeah, so I think defense in depth uh, definitely still still applies. It's just kind of a matter of how you apply it. Uh, obviously, every single customer environment is different, and it depends on their mission, the applications that they're supporting. Um, you know, as as folks move into the cloud, you know, as Susie was saying, you know, they the cloud service providers give you the tools there to help secure environments. It's, it's just a matter of kind of knowing how to deploy them. So, uh, you know, one of the things I, I think is very important is you know education and training. So, you know, as as we're moving to the cloud, you know, it's it's still that same on-premise IT staff, you know, managing a lot of these uh, environments. So they need to know, you know, what are what is that security checklist? What is that? What are those guidelines to help you know secure those various aspects of services? Um, and you know, as, as we mentioned, a lot of the tools and services are are, are, are going to change a little bit. You know, you'll see a lot of you know virtualized firewalls. Um, you know, and you still need to define, you know, how do you do web application security? How do you deploy an IPS? Uh, how do you do packet uh, logging? Uh, you can't go out and just you know plug into a switch and, and see all the packets running across you know the virtual network nowadays. So um, it, it's also helpful to kind of you know define you know what are what are some of those tools and technologies available to help uh, imp improve your security posture, which really leads to that you know de defense in depth across the board. And I know that the whole the, the many years it was it was vendor in depth, it was defense in depth. So it's, it's I think that that is still uh, applicable. But I think as you both said very uh, well, it's 
how do you extend that into the cloud? So let me, let me turn to Marlon a little bit. When you listen to what Susie describes, hey, it's not just at the you know, network level, it's got to be at the application level, it's got to be at the, the data and transit layer. How, how's Nair kind of pulling all this together? So the way I look at it is you have to take a holistic view of all your assets. And I remember one of the major issues that I ran into is we had an audit on our master system list and they were telling us, well, you should take all your cloud assets and make it separate. And I'm like, no, because we don't manage that way. I have to manage across the entire enterprise because most of my on-premise systems talk to my cloud system. So I have to see that one dashboard that shows my whole network and take security from that from every layer, and that's why I agree with Matt that defense in depth still applies because you have to look at it in every layer and how is it going to work and how is it going to um, interoperate with each other. So I definitely agree that you have to look at the whole hybrid view and you just can't break it off into segments. And I think sometimes when, when you're when you think, well, let's break this, let's just look at the hybrid by itself, you have the data in transit issue. Uh, and did that, does that come up when you guys are, are, as you're setting up your network and saying, okay, we've got to, this is a, something that we can make, this data can be public and we, got, we want to make sure people can get it easily while this data remains private and... and yeah, and so you have to build up your boundaries and your enclaves to make sure you separate based on the level of security that's required for the particular asset that you're looking at. Jay, one of the things that comes up several times is, is the controls issue, and, and FedRAMP mm -hmm. is trying to get that, as you said, the, about the 80-20 rule. Let's get you 80% there, but then agencies want to come back and say, well, what, what about that control? What about this control? What, what are you, how's FedRAMP and how's uh, you know, your work with the Secure Cloud portfolio working with agencies to kind of understand what they're, where they need to really focus their, their efforts? Yeah, I think it's a great question. I love the title of the show, right? Detect, protect, and respond. But there's also like another one, which is learn. I think Susie and Matthew both touched on that, which is the threats are always changing, right? The technologies are always changing, and there's this constant shift that we always have to, to respond to. And so from the federal perspective, right, the 80-20 is we believe that agencies should know who their users are and what permissions they have. That's identity and access. You know, there's always a set of controls. You can go down the rabbit's nest of how those are implemented, what risks those have, and I appreciate it when agencies have the time and money to do that. But around confidentiality, integrity, and availability, there's one that we don't talk about, which is value, right? Speed to market, speed to value, speed to mission, however you like to phrase that. You know, what's the friction that I'm doing, right, when I review all these controls and when I'm kind of in learning in so much in depth versus trusting and building this hybrid environment? So we try and really have those in-depth conversations with agencies about where they really need to focus based on risk. There's this kind of hybrid risk and, and about what they need to focus on learning, right? The, the new ways of doing identity and data protection in the cloud as opposed to kind of the infrastructure levels. I think that's, that's part of the shift of, and the learning that has to happen. I, I wish I'd been around when agencies went through the shift from, you know, everyone had a desktop PC to laptops, right? Because that really was the original hybrid cloud, right? It was on-prem, but it could go home with the employee, right? It could go to the car, it could get lost. And I know agencies have made that transition successfully, so I'm excited for this one. And it seems like a lot of people uh, get that data at rest, but not the data in transit. Susie, jump in. Uh, so one of the things you just said, protect, detect, respond, I think one of the, the, the things that um, that agencies really need to focus on is now detection. Mm -hmm. um, before, we were always, we were very good at protect and respond. Right? Something would happen, we protect our boundaries, and then we know how to respond to it. But sometimes that response came 256 days after that, mm -hmm. the, the infiltration occurred. Right? Now we need to spend and get much better at the detection in that assumed breach mentality. And I think that's the major mind shift that needs to happen is you need to spend time actually on the detection and looking at all the signal um, versus just responding when it happens. Uh, and when you respond, it, it's a lot more than just unplugging from the network. Yeah. Right? You actually sometimes want to let those bad guys stay in there, find out what they're doing, and then tune your detection and your protection so that it can't happen again. Marlon, jump in. So um, our CISO has done a great job creating a cybersecurity framework and the protect, detect, and respond is in there, but in the beginning, you called it learning, we call it identify, mm -hmm. and at the end is recover. So after you respond, how do you get back to the steady state to where you need to be? So uh, NARA is working on that and we're implementing that over the next year and that's our key focus when it comes to cybersecurity. Guy, jump in because you guys, uh, with, with the, as you said, doubling of the agency, getting more people involved, you got to protect the data and a lot of data could potentially be in transit. So talk a little bit about what you're hearing. Yeah, um, one thing I think that we've all highlighted is whether you're hybrid or what percentage, it really doesn't matter, but if you don't take that enterprise view of security, um, and I've had the, the luck of being at two federal agencies leading their cloud efforts in this last year, and I saw it both in a very large agency and SBA as a smaller one, 
we need to do the basics. We need to make sure encryption is turned on. Uh, we need to make sure data loss protection is turned on. I've talked to a lot of other agencies, and if you look at their software bills, they're paying for these things, and they're not turning it on. The identity management. Um, one thing that I saw when I turned when we turned on our our cloud security console on our internal uh, premise um, equipment. Um, one of the things I saw was there was an alert on server password, so I, I drilled down into that, and it told me that three of our servers on our network had easily guessable passwords. <laughs> so I drilled down further into that, and uh, two of them were the default password, and one was the name of the server was the password. So I, uh, and talk about hybrid, one of those servers was actually from another shop in SBA that has their own IT shop. So not only are we hybrid of mm -hmm. on-prem and the cloud, we also have separate IT groups within SBA that were in our own hybrid. So again, the, the, the security tools from the cloud showed me things on-premise that none of our on-premise tools were reporting. Um, and the other, my other favorite thing is firewalls. I love seeing the staff throw up firewalls, and then I ask them, what ports are you opening? Or, mm -hmm. And you never get a list, so I, I, I firmly believe that we have agencies that probably have three or four firewalls in a row that contradict each other and finally <laughs> let everything through. Mm -hmm. So cool. you, f you feel you're protected, but you're not. So that, that's something I'd, I'd love to see GSA step in and help, <laughs> help us with that, Jay. Check your firewalls. <laughs> yeah. Check J the firewalls. Jay, can you take that down as a to-do list? <laughs> yeah, I think it's more of a DHS thing with the, with the pen testing. Uh, Matthew, let me turn to you for a second, because one of the things that keeps coming up as everyone talks is identity management, access control. Um, we've talked about identity management for years. Uh, I think HSPD 12, Homeland Security Presidential Directive 12, which you know, required the PIV access, uh, is turning, uh, if, you, if I do the math right, uh, 13 years uh, sometime in 2018. We're still not there yet, but now with the cloud, that adds another layer of, of complexity. How does that work? How, how do you get the identity management piece in place? Is, is Again, I know we talked a little bit about this. Is, is it easier with the cloud? Yeah, I, I would definitely say it's easier in the cloud. You know. I think one of the most basic things, and you just going back to you know, what Guy said, some of the some of the basics is just multi-factor authentication. And you know, you may have read in, in some of the very recent breaches, you know, that that is an issue. So a lot of the cloud services providers, you know, provide the ability to add multi-factor authentication very very easily as an identity management uh, service. So you know. Can I use, um, you know, Authenticator, or can I use, uh, you know, a text message for, uh, you know, a, a passcode along with a password? Just, you know, simple password protection is not enough in, in you know, today's threat landscape to, you know, secure, um, much less anything really. So, uh, you know, having those additional tools uh, available is very important. And Susie, it seems like multi-factor authentication has gotten so much easier. Uh, I made this example just the other day where uh, when you go to the gas station and use your credit card for gas, they added that second factor right away, which was your zip code. Mm -hmm. But it seems like when with text to your phone and uh, other types of things, is, is talk. Microsoft has added that second factor into your cloud uh, efforts as and well. I mean, there are a variety of different ways to do it. Even inside the government right now, uh, there's, there's a lot of talk around drive credentials. And so we've integrated the ability to support drive credentials and all of our tools uh, in, in, in our operating system, but also in the cloud. And so you really, uh, there's a variety of different ways to implement multi-factor authentication. And I think, you know, when we look at PIV and CAC, I mean, I know there's a lot of work right now going on in DOD around how do we actually support derived credentials so that it's not, hey, I've got to carry this card and this card reader and attach it to my phone to be able to, to do multi-factor authentication, right? We can now do a, a variety of different things uh, and, and we have a variety of different technologies that our customers that are using Office 365 or Azure can now just take advantage of. And I think that's really where the federal government needs to, to um, uh, advance itself a little bit is in how it looks at identity protection um, and the ability to extend uh, multi-factor authentication to new to new mediums, right? Because the, the PIV and CAC, while I still in Microsoft, we all have our card that looks like a PIV or a CAC card, uh, but I no longer stick that into my laptop to get access to data or get access to the cloud. I can use any device I want, um, the technology is just smart enough now to say, hey, look, if you're logging on uh, from a non-managed, non-domain joint, joint device and you want to access critical uh, corporate data, uh, you won't have access because we don't know if your device is protected. We don't know if it's infected. Even though you've uh, provided a multi-factor authentication uh, mechanism, we still don't trust right, that you should have access to this data. All of a sudden, I go to a domain, domain joint device uh, and, it, and it knows when I provide those credentials that that device is protected. 
and then it's secure. And that technology exists today, right? It's not rocket science. Agencies can deploy it. Um, and then lock down uh, and give more granular access based on the security posture of the device and the person that's accessing it. Yeah. That's a great point. I think there's a lot of efforts, uh, big th thinking going on around the next generation of ID management because I think CAC and PIV, well, good for 2007, <laughs> maybe not working today. All right, let's take a quick break. You're listening to the discussion, Cybersecurity, Protect, Detect, and Respond, sponsored by Microsoft and CSRA on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Empowering Agency Digital Transformation by Microsoft. Security and compliance are top of mind and non-negotiables for federal agencies. At Microsoft, we build security into our products and services from the ground up. That's how we deliver a comprehensive, agile platform that can help protect endpoints, move fast to detect threats, and respond to security breaches across the largest and most security-conscious organizations. With extensive experience providing cloud services to government agencies, Microsoft is committed to providing the most complete, trusted, and secure cloud services and offers cloud services that are DOD L4 and L5 approved, aligned with the NIST cybersecurity framework, and compliant with FedRAMP, ITAR, and IRS 1075. Microsoft provides trusted government solutions, and Microsoft and its partners are committed to empowering all government agencies to achieve their mission. Lead your agency's digital transformation with Microsoft. To find out more, go to Microsoft.com federal. Welcome back. You're listening to the panel discussion, Cybersecurity, Protect, Detect, and Respond, sponsored by Microsoft and CSRA on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guests today are Susie Adams, the Chief Technology Officer for Microsoft Federal, Marlon Andrews, the Deputy Chief Information Officer for the National Archives and Records Administration, Guy Cavallo, the Deputy Chief Information Officer for the Small Business Administration, Jay Huey, the Director of the Secure Cloud Portfolio at the Technology Transformation Service in the General Services Administration, and Dr. Matthew McFadden, the Cybersecurity Director for CSRA. I want to take us back in the segment to one thing that Matthew said sometime early in the second segment about the workforce and, and the training and the expectations, the skill sets of the workforce changes in this hybrid cloud environment. And part of the reason why is, well, they used to have data centers and now those data centers are, are being shrunk and then they're also being moved out into the cloud. So Matthew, just start with the basics. What's the change in the workforce? What are the skill sets that are needed? Sure. Um, so, I, you know, I believe education and training is key. You know, a lot of times, you know, our technologies and tools, you know, don't replace a, a very talented, you know, skilled workforce. So, you know, one of the things, you know, the the government or you know, NIST release was the National In Initiative for Cybersecurity Education or the NICE framework, uh, and they began to really define, you know, what are some of the core work roles and and how do you really need to kind of resource uh, resource your workforce to address, you know, some of the, those cybersecurity challenges. Um, you know, it's it's you always want to try and inf and find, uh, you know, that that cybersecurity unicorn out there that you know help you you know secure your your cloud environment but you know in reality that that's not always the case I, I think one of the best things that you can do is really train up your current workforce to meet those needs so uh, one of the things that we we've done at CSRA is, is launch a uh, cyber Institute because uh, a lot of our customers were you know reaching out for, for for us to help you know train their talent to kind of you know how do you migrate into a cloud environment what are some of the tools and technologies that you need uh, so you know we're working with a lot of our customers to help define, you know, what what is their training uh, curriculum that they would need to, to meet some of those workforce uh, requirements out there. And, and the Cyber Institute, just to go in a little more detail, is it kind of like one of those, you know, one week type classes, a few few hours online every day? It, uh, it, it's actually a hybrid. So uh, of you course know, it is. Of right? course, <laughs> everything's always a hybrid. So um, you know, we we do um, you know mobile uh, training teams where you know we go to a site, we do training, we have uh, online courses. Um, you know, in the DoD, a lot of uh, uh, personnel need to meet the DoD eighty five seventy. Requirement, so uh, you know we we help build some courses to help the workforce meet those, um, and a lot of it is you know knowledge comprehension to hands-on practical training, and uh, you know we feel that hands-on training is is some of the best ways to really apply um, you know some of those cybersecurity uh, skills and and, and workforce. Now, let me turn to Guy because you guys have had a very similar. Uh, 
when you when, when Matthew talks about the need for training, you guys have moved very quickly. Mm -hmm. it maybe doesn't feel that way sometimes, <laughs> but your workforce has really been shaken up in, in some ways because you've moved so quickly to the cloud. Talk about what you guys have have, has, have addressed that workforce challenge. Sure, we're uh, I'm coming up on nine months at SPA and on my third CISO already, <laughs> uh, and I think that's something that we have to address across government. As as these skills are so unique, it's so easy for the private sector to hire so them away keeps stealing and, them? and keep and okay. keeps keep stealing. Let's, let's look at Susie and Matthew and say, don't steal the CISOs. <laughs> <laughs> and keep stealing them. Uh, but what Matt just talked about, I think the, the beauty of the cloud as far as hybrid uh, on-premise stuff is the security training that you can do through the cloud and give somebody that hands-on experience. Uh, it's just too expensive and too hard to set up a classroom that does that type of that type of work. So I, we, we've been we've invested in getting our staff trained. Uh, something that Maria wrote, the CIO and I are doing is we're rewriting all of our position descriptions to have a, a cloud component to them, definitely on the security side. We're not looking to hire anybody that just understands on-prem security anymore. We want them to be in that hybrid mode. Uh, and that means we're investing in training, we're sending them to training, um, Every week we hold a, a weekly cloud lunch and learn session that I host, uh, and we go through different topics. If, if there's something like uh, a certain large uh, financial institution's breach that comes up, uh, I'll look for a session on what's the latest in cybersecurity, and we'll go through that. We tie it to the current events, um, because I know we can't afford to send somebody to training you know, three three weeks out of a month and still do our jobs back at back at home. So we're looking at free training, uh, hands-on training. We set it, we set up labs to experiment in the cloud so that they can have that experience. Um, and then I said overall, I think the federal government's going to have to look at uh, how can we keep these good cybersecurity professionals from leaving for the private sector. Marlon, let me turn to you because I just want to hear from your perspective. Guy described how they're dealing with the workforce. How are you guys also? It's the same thing, but what's difficult is across the government, it's not equal. So a lot of agencies, <laughs> such as DHS, can afford to pay bonuses and have more SESs and smaller agencies can have. So it, it's a very hard, it's a competition among government agencies keeping the best cybersecurity professionals within your agency. And then with good companies such as Microsoft and CSRA and all of them, having an interest and having a financial incentive to have the best people working for them. So it, it, it's a competition. So I, I think the government needs to look across the board and say, how do we do this so that we're all protected across the government and how do we get the most qualified people by offering not just um, financial incentives, but it could be life, work-life balance and things of that nature to make sure we keep the best professionals within the government. Now, hopefully you haven't had what guys experienced as three CISOs in nine months, but, but are you guys seeing kind of like the training piece as, as a key factor to keep people? No, the, the training piece is a key factor to keep people. We've been very fortunate to have the same CISO since I've been there, and she's doing an outstanding job. But, but for those other positions, it, it's very difficult to get quality people in. I mean, like I said, telework is also is a factor. Uh, what position, whether they're a 15 or a 14, that you can bring them in at. So it, it's very competitive across the yeah. government. And, and Susie, one of these things that Marlon brings up telework, but you, because everything's in the cloud, not everything, at least part of your, you can do so much from a laptop, you can do so much from a phone. I have a friend who's in the IT world and, and we'll be out somewhere and he'll be, uh, his buzzer will go off, what's wrong? He's like, oh, I gotta fix something. And he'll just do it right on his phone and be done. I mean, that, that's the change that we've seen from the workforce perspective. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, cloud is extremely disruptive, not just from a security <laughs> perspective, but I mean, we're really, it's its really the start of the fourth industrial revolution. And if you think about what this really means, I mean, the, I think we're just on the cusp of a cloud adoption inside the federal government. And if you look at the commercial industry and where we're going, even from a training perspective, I mean, whether you're a security professional or whether you're uh, just a traditional architect or whether you're just an IT person, right, the amount of learning that needs to happen, right, to be able to take advantage of this new capability that really does uh, change the way that, that uh, commercial operations will work, that governments will work, how governments will talk to citizens. I, I mean, now we can do things that we could never do before, and we can also see anomalies and see uh, and, and look at data uh, in ways we could never do before. And so if you just think about extending you know, big data analytics where you used to have to have uh, you know, a chief data scientist, and you'd have to go out and find, you know, uh, uh, an entire warehouse of computers to run a simulation, right? That might have taken, you know, six months to run, right, or a month to run. Now you can do this in a matter of minutes 
right, for just a few pennies or a few dollars, right? Spin it up, let it go down. I mean, just imagine now what this is going to mean from a learning perspective across the board. So, you know, from a security perspective, I, I completely agree. I think training is going to be is going to be key. Um, it, it's even training ac across the major uh, folks like Microsoft and Amazon and Google and CSRA. I mean, it is this, the speed of this transformation is also affecting us and the way uh, that we have to train our folks to be able to help our customers. Right? So I think it is just across the board right now, probably one of the most exciting times I've seen right, in the IT industry from uh, just uh, how much there is to learn uh, and to be able to get up to speed, to be, uh, especially from a security perspective. Jay, I know from a FedRAMP perspective and, and the secure cloud portfolio, you guys don't necessarily provide quote unquote training, but is that something you guys have talked about? Is because as agencies come to FedRAMP and talk to FedRAMP about, well, what should I buy and how should I buy it? Is that training piece something you guys have started to look at a little bit? Yeah, actually we have and do. I, I think to the point the other panelists have made, everything has changed so much, and we like in the security industry, we say, you know, security's everyone's job, but the implications of cloud have really changed what that means and, and the degree of understanding you need. So we actually updated our Blackboard courses that are online you can go find and created a set of training modules for the acquisition community because so often you know they were taught to buy things but not necessarily the implication of what they were buying and now security is so important and integral to success, that's another community that we're trying to reach out to and build that repertoire of knowledge. I've been fortunate to work with Guy at other agency and one of the things he did was create a skill matrix, right? Often the people in charge of a cloud first initiative have never been allowed to touch the cloud and maybe it's even been blocked at their firewall. So that's where I think that the conversation around sandboxes and learning in this sort of safe space is really important. You know, back to acquisition, the friction was such that we would buy in bulk, right? And we thought that that made sense because it does for chairs, you get discounts or real estate, right? But in cloud, particularly commercial commodity cloud, they've already got the economies of scale there. So there's really nothing that should prevent you from getting an account now, right? It costs zero dollars to basically get an account. And then to do these slow, steady drips of learning, instead of sending somebody away for three weeks, make them learn over time in these sort of small incremental pieces, right? That's agile in the DevOps culture shift. And I think that gets back to Susie's point earlier, which is when you're detecting and responding, it's not just for that particular application or system that's been you know, maybe threatened, it's all the ones like it, where that lesson learned needs to be shared quickly in this sort of bite-sized chunk across all the teams so that they can go patch that thing and they're not themselves vulnerable. So we've really seen that shift be successful around making sure everyone understands, but also making this more a frequent drip. The, the acquisition piece, which we haven't talked too much about, but that's a that's a huge piece to this hybrid environment as well, and the security to it, because the differences between, well, I know it takes to secure on premise, but what do I need from a contracting perspective on cloud? But we could do a whole nother <laughs> panel on that. Uh, we are almost out of time. This has been a great conversation. So I'm going to go, I think we started the, the day with, uh, with the guy. We're going to go to Matthew on this one. What, what's the takeaway from the conversation? What should our, our listeners, our, our viewers, really when they talk about hybrid cloud security, what's, what's, what's the one or two things they should take away? Yeah, so uh, definitely understand your threat landscape. Uh, identify those uh, tools and, and processes as part of you know migrating into the cloud. But most importantly, you know, as, as part of this segment, uh, you know, you want to make sure that you have a, a training and education uh, platform slash program in place to help you know educate your staff on you know secure cloud implementation and, and the various you know tools that each of the, the cloud service providers have to offer. Very good, Marlon. Uh, the one thing I like people to know is every government agency I've talked to, they have working really hard to make sure that they take advantage of the of the benefits of the cloud, and they are looking seriously at security and how do we move forward in this new landscape, in this new environment, to make sure that we protect the taxpayers and their investments. All right, and I think I think that's what uh, sometimes gets lost in the translation is protecting the taxpayer and their investments. I think that sometimes is the end result what, what everyone's going for. Uh, Susie, uh, talk a little bit about the takeaways. Um, you know, I think the one thing that that I would hope people take away from this is that you know while there are still policies on the books that you that federal agencies have to have to comply with, whether it be trusted internet connection or FedRAMP, <laughs> right? I think what you know the one clear takeaway I hope everybody gets from this is that you really need to think out of the box uh, about this. You you need to really start to approach these policies from more of an outcomes based approach, right? As opposed to this is how we used to implement it, right? Because there is there is a particular risk that that each of these controls 
tools, say in FedRAMP or the Trusted Internet Connection, uh, is trying to mitigate against. Um, that particular risk has changed and morphed uh, since the time that that policy was put in place. There's a lot of good work going on to try to, you know, to change the policies as well, but we all know in government that takes time. Um, so to enable agencies to be able to uh, take advantage of the technology that is available in the commercial space today, we're going to have to take and we're going to have to have CISOs in, in agencies take a more outcomes-based approach. Do, is that control mitigated through some type of compensating control that the cloud provider is now is can now extend to you via software-defined uh, capabilities that didn't exist when that policy was written. And I think that those are the types of things we're going to need people to really think out of the box around uh, to enable agencies to do this. Because right now you'll see, you know, uh, you might have some really good leaders in government that want to go out and, and take advantage of this new cloud technology and they literally get stopped dead in their tracks by some old existing policy. Jay? One of the things I love is um, originally people were worried about going to the cloud because of security. But I think we've all proven that you know, the provider pool, commercial industry is willing to meet that security bar at a really high standard. Some of our cloud providers are, are high, accredited high, and at, at an amazing price point, right? And that's better than most on-prem environments. So I think the challenge isn't just security now, right? We've solved that. It's really balancing the business, and it's, and it's easy to think, oh, I've got to spend this extra time to secure it. But one of the things I love about being at GSA is that we try and balance that speed to business side, right? The, the ultimate result, getting services out to citizens. All right, and Guy, take us home. Uh, sure. Uh, I hope everybody uh, heard the constant theme of, from all of us about enterprise view, but you're going to be hybrid and the cloud's inevitable, uh, whether you're there or not. And part of what I covered with the team of uh, you know, using the cloud security tools to look at on-prem, uh, I definitely uh, ask everybody to take a look at that. It opened up our eyes tremendously. Uh, Maria wrote and I took SBA from no cloud to having a cloud in 82 days, mm -hmm. but we still inherited when somebody gets a network account at SBA, it's an eight character hmm. um, name, which goes back to the early 1990s of Nobel Networking. <laughs> so my, my, other, my last leave here is don't try to fix everything before you do it. Don't, don't believe that you have to fix your active directory. You've got to get a better handle on your virtualization. You've got to virtualize more servers before you go to the cloud. If you wait to clean up all the skeletons that are in our closets for the last 20 or 30 years, you're never going to make the jump. Make the jump, look at the security tools that are there. Like I said, it opened up our eyes to our on-premise environment on the major cloud providers' tools on what they can show you and uh, try it. I mean, that's the beauty of the cloud. You don't have to spend $10 million to do it. You can get a trial and use it and have it, have it help you manage your, your enterprise. And, and like Marlon said, we're all here to protect our taxpayer dollars and our, our data. Uh, we want to use the maximum tools to help do that. All right, on that note, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank my guests, Susie Adams, the Chief Technology Officer for Microsoft Federal, Marlon Andrews, the Deputy Chief Information Officer for the National Archives and Records Administration, Guy Cavallo, the Deputy Chief Information Officer for the Small Business Administration, Jay Huey, the Director of the Secure Cloud Portfolio at the Technology Transformation Service at the General Services Administration, and Dr. Matthew McFadden, the Cybersecurity Director for CSRA. You've been listening to the discussion, Cybersecurity, Protect, Detect, and Respond, sponsored by Microsoft and CSRA on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I've been your host, Jason Miller. Thank you for listening to the Cybersecurity, Protect, Detect, and Respond panel, sponsored by Microsoft and CSRA on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. The entire discussion is available on demand at federalnewsradio.com. Search Microsoft.